34-year-old female with a history of moderate persistent asthma presents to the ED with shortness of breath. Quick side note, this is a fictional case meaning to be illustrative and educational. Any resemblance of a real patient is entirely unintentional. Back to the patient. Let's call her Phyllis. About three days prior, the patient had some upper respiratory symptoms. Nothing too crazy. Nasal congestion, rhinitis, some sore throat. But over time... She became more short of breath, and then she started coughing, especially at night. Her breathing worsened and was refractory to all of the albuterol nebs that she used at home. Associated symptoms include some chest tightness, cough, wheeze, and insomnia. She's had asthma since a young child. Her major triggers are pollen, dust, weather changes, viral illnesses, and she was intubated once in her 20s. Her symptoms are now well controlled, typically at home, on fluticasone, salmeterol, albuterol, and monolucast. Vital signs, she is tachycardic in the 120s, tachypnic, about 26, and yes, we actually counted the respirations. She's hypertensive with a blood pressure of 155 over 72, and her oxygen saturations are 100% on 2 liters nasal cannula, and she's speaking in full sentences. So we should probably wean that oxygen, huh? Can't say I disagree. More objective data, she's in moderate distress, visibly uncomfortable, bilateral expiratory wheeze in all lung fields, accessory muscle use, and the remainder of her exam is normal. Her chest x-ray was clear, and her CMP, CBC were normal, and her urine drug screen was negative. Here's Phyllis's ABG. The pH is 7.32, the PCO2 is 44, PAO2 is 150, and the bicarb was 23. Her serum lactate was ordered and came back at 3 milliequivalents per liter. John, what are your initial thoughts about this patient? Well, it's evident this is an asthma exacerbation supported by the fact that uh, this is a pulmonary critical care podcast. Secondly, (laughs) she's got a history of moderate to persistent asthma, had an upper respiratory infection trigger. She's got the classic chest tightness, wheeze, nocturnal cough, dyspnea, and no relief with home nebulizers. Jeremy, do you want to simulate what it feels like to have sure. an asthma exacerbation? Yeah, I do. All right, you ready? Yeah. So what I want you to do is inhale to about as much as you can do and hold it. Now I want you to inhale again and hold it without letting go. And then do it one more time. I don't have any more. And that's what it feels like to have an asthma exacerbation. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> actually do have a little whiff of asthma what do you make of phyllis's lactate honestly mm, we're, we're friends here we can take it are we friends now we're friends um, i'm wondering why they even drew it you could technically make the case for sepsis right she's kind of surzy septoid septoid she's got an upper respiratory infection okay but are you gonna give her antibiotics nope point taken And, uh, you know, you got to remember that most infection-related asthma exacerbations are going to be viral. There are silos of providers who are using macrolide antibiotics, particularly azithromycin, simply for its immunomodulatory effect. There's been some anti-inflammatory sort of uh, effects attributed to the use of azithromycin, but it's not for its use as an antibiotic. We'll throw some literature in the show notes. Moving on. In the ED, Phyllis was given... 
80 milligrams of IV methylprednisolone and a total of six 2.5 milligram albuterol nebs for a total of 15 milligrams. About an hour later, her wheeze got better, and she was clearly moving more air than before. But she became significantly more dipsnick, more tachycardic now in the 150s, and more tachypnic. I'm willing to chalk that tachycardia up to the effect of the nebs. What about the dipsnia and tachypnia? I'm a little more hesitant there. Another ABG was drawn. Maybe this will help you. 7.31. PCO2 was 33. PO2 was 90. And the bicarb is now 18. They decided to redraw that lactate, and now it's 6.8. You would draw another lactate? Hey, I'm just the messenger. After the new ABG and the new repeat lactate, the ICU team is called for evaluation. Why don't we go ahead and pause and discuss the case here? So as a quick summary, this is a 34-year-old female with a history of moderate persistent asthma, here with an asthma exacerbation. After IV steroids and 15 milligrams of albuterol, she had significantly improved ventilation and resolution of her bronchospasm, but developed worsening tachycardia, tachypnea, and dyspnea. And then remember, her new lactate level was 6.8, so now she's got a new lactic acidosis. This particular patient has a few reasons for ICU to be consulted. Most concerning to me, her significantly worsening tachypnea, tachycardia, and dyspnea. Easy to chalk up these symptoms to anxiety, especially in young patients, but in reality, could this be status asthmaticus plus impending respiratory failure? I take these patients very seriously. Serum lactate of 6.8 definitely supports the case for an ICU consult. I agree. I think Phyllis has a lot going on. But that said, it isn't all that uncommon for us to be consulted for an elevated lactate alone. True. Therefore, it behooves us to have an in-depth understanding of the physiology of lactate metabolism. How about you just hit the high points and link the rest in the show notes? You okay, buddy? Just mourning the loss of my biochemical pathways. You done? Yep. There's only one biochemical pathway in the entire human body that produces lactate, and that is the reduction of pyruvate. This is catalyzed by an enzyme called lactate dehydrogenase. Now, normally pyruvate, remember, is run straight into the citric acid cycle or the Krebs cycle, but in the absence of oxygen, pyruvate is shunted away from that cycle and simply reduced to lactate. Remember, there are two, technically three, I guess, major types of lactic acidosis, type A, is classic hypoxia, hypoperfusion. Type B is an absence of hypoxia or hypoperfusion, typically some alteration in cellular metabolism. For example, let's say you make so much pyruvate that you end up overwhelming the citric acid cycle so that you have no choice but to form lactate. As in sympathomimetic administration? Yeah, like epinephrine or so on and so forth. What about impairment of citric acid cycle enzymes? Is in certain drugs or inborn errors of metabolism? Or simply poor lactate clearance? Ah, like liver disease. Now, there are many other reasons for a patient to develop a type B lactic acidosis, and I'll throw those in the show notes, but the key is a type B lactic acidosis has an absence of hypoperfusion or hypoxia. Now, you said that there were three causes, but you only listed two. Right. The last one is 
D-lactic acidosis. This is a rare form that is seen in patients with GI, malabsorption, propylene glycol overdose, and sometimes in DKA. The thing is, most labs don't measure D-lactate unless specifically ordered. So when we order a serum lactate, what we're measuring is L-lactate or the L-isoform. Back to our case, we find ourselves with Phyllis, who has improved ventilation after NEBS but now has worsening tachypnea and tachycardia and an elevated lactate. I find myself asking, is this type A or type B? Well, the answer to that question can only be found in a thorough search for signs of hypoperfusion or hypoxia. Like? Vitals. She's tachycardic, tachypnic, but otherwise oxygen saturations and blood pressure are normal. Blood pressure is actually high. Mental status? Normal. Skin temp? Turgor? Cyanosis? Evidence of modeling? Skin is completely unremarkable. Cap refill? Less than two seconds. Thready pulse? Two plus in all extremities. Urine output? Normal. She just peed about 10 minutes ago. Any sign of organ failure? Liver kidney function are normal. She's got no elevated troponin. Chest x-ray is clear. So I'm going to go on a limb here and say that Phyllis doesn't have a hypoperfusion or hypoxia problem, Mm -hmm. which would make this Mm -hmm. a type B lactic acidosis. We have a winner. So we've identified type B process as the likely etiology for the patient's elevated lactate. But the bigger question is, what's the root cause of the type B acidosis? In this particular case, it turns out that Phyllis's lactate was elevated because of albuterol. And this is an uncommonly recognized cause of type B lactic acidosis, but it's actually well described in the literature. You're saying you have data to back you up? I do. There's been a good number of case reports documenting this concept of albuterol-induced lactic acidosis, and this phenomenon was actually secondarily confirmed in a chest RCT back in 2014, which, of course, we'll throw in the show notes. Albuterol, a beta-2 adrenergic agonist used primarily for bronchodilation, but remember especially in high doses, there are systemic adrenergic effects as well. Exactly. And after 15 milligrams of nebulized albuterol, patients get a pretty hefty sympathomimetic response. They get improved ventilation from bronchodilation, but they also get tachycardia and maybe also hypertension. Yeah, and these are oft-recognized obvious effects of high-dose nebulized albuterol. But wait, there's more. Yes. Yes, there is. As a sympathomimetic, Albuterol is going to enhance glucose production through stimulating glycogenolysis and gluconeogenesis, and it's going to speed up the rate and amount of glycolysis performed. In other words, it's going to make you make more pyruvate. So albuterol creates a scenario where you make too much pyruvate, overwhelm your body's ability to metabolize it, and shunt over to lactate. Yes, and albuterol actually causes lipolysis, which inhibits the conversion of pyruvate into acetyl-CoA. So sort of rewinding everything, you're making more pyruvate, you can't get rid of that pyruvate because of the lipolysis. So your body really has no choice but to make lactate. It can't do anything else with it. It's a double whammy! Let's let's chill out on the game show references. So that was really cool, biochemically nerdy stuff. But how is any of that actually relevant to taking care of Phyllis? It actually is clinically relevant, I promise. Albuterol-induced lactic acidosis creates a paradoxical situation. Patients with asthma exacerbations objectively need beta agonism to treat their bronchospasm. And sometimes, yes, these patients require quite high doses of albuterol, as in continuous NEBS, to treat their symptoms. And it works, just like Phyllis, who had improved ventilation and decreased wheezing on exam. 
But since high doses of albuterol can cause lactic acidosis in certain asthma patients, these patients can appear more tachypnic or feel more dipsnic, when really, it's just the body trying to compensate for this metabolic acidosis. The kicker is that providers sometimes misinterpret the situation as worsening respiratory failure. This prompts them to administer more albuterol, causing worsening lactic acidosis, and more tachypnea, then more albuterol, then more lactate, then more tachypnea, and eventually fatigue. This is why asthmatics, especially young asthmatics, give me pause. There is a fine, fine line between status asthmaticus with worsening bronchospasm, dead space ventilation, hypoxia, and impending respiratory failure, and simple anxiety, tachypnea caused by albuterol-induced lactic acidosis. So you paint this picture of the truly worsening asthmatic versus the one who's anxious or maybe has this tachypnea from the albuterol-induced lactic acidosis. How do we tell the difference between the two? Some people mention the use of serial peak expiratory flow evaluations. These may be logistically challenging to obtain depending on your hospital system. And uh, honestly, I think a great way to assess your asthma patient is to assess your asthma patient. It sounds funny to say, but serial physical examinations are actually fairly useful. No, I agree. It's important to take the patient's symptoms seriously and specifically go back to the bedside. Reevaluate how the patient is oxygenating and ventilating. What are their SATs? Do you need a new ABG? Is that wheeze gone because the bronchospasm is decreased or because they're no longer moving air? Do they need non-invasive support to temporize the situation until you can fix them with duonebs and steroids? Or do we need to secure an airway? Look for signs of hyperperfusion. Evaluate their organ function with things like urine output, mental status, capillary refill, etc. Remember that albuterol nebs are not without their side effects. Tachycardia, hypertension, which I can tolerate to some degree. And remember the cycle of albuterol, that lactic acidosis, then more tachypnea, then more albuterol, then potentially more respiratory failure. I think you hit the nail on the head with some of the challenges we encounter taking care of patients with asthma. Can you talk about some strategies that we use to avoid that albuterol, tachypnea, lactate sort of cycle? There's a few that we've kind of hinted at. Simply stop the albuterol and observe the patient. You can also decrease your albuterol dose switch to ipratropium, but none of these are really truly evidence-based, unfortunately. Back to Phyllis. Since she had no evidence of a hypoperfusion or hypoxia problem, and her ventilation actually improved, as evidenced by decreased wheeze and moving more air, the decision was made, clinically, to stop her albuterol treatments. A few hours later, another serum lactate was drawn. And... It was 1.2. Her dipsnea improved, her respiratory rate slowed down, and she never required ICU transfer. So it was albuterol after all. Maybe. Let's wrap up with a few take-home clinical pearls. There are two major types of lactic acidosis we care about, type A and type B. Type A is a problem with oxygen delivery. Type B, there is no problem with oxygen delivery. Albuterol is a well-established cause of type B lactic acidosis. The resultant respiratory compensation can fool us into giving more albuterol than the patient actually needs. Frequent reassessment of your patient will help you to distinguish which patients need more beta agonism and which ones don't. Finally, and here's the real take home. 
an asthma patient presenting with a lactic acidosis who has sort of this combination of worsening dyspnea but improved ventilation and improved bronchospasm or worsening dyspnea but improved peak expiratory flow, these discrepancies should sort of lead you to consider albuterol as a plausible etiology. You should think about stopping therapy, decreasing your albuterol dose, or maybe switching to ipratropium instead. Until next time, keep breathing, keep... (coughs) (coughs) Hey, (coughs) hand me some albuterol. (coughs) You're not going to fool me this time. (coughs) I'll just do that outro for you. (coughs) No, seriously. (coughs) Keep breathing, keep streaming, and keep (coughs) breathing.